Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Jared Morgan! Yay! Can I talk now? Yes! Yep, yep, we're rolling. Like Talk, for fuck's we... sake. <laughs> uh, thank God you are first. Yeah. Did you like my uh, fart noises? They were great. I try to customize the intro for like the vibe that our guest puts no, out. No, you guys need like a great like whack pack soundboard. <laughs> we should, yeah, just like I really do want to get a soundboard eventually. When, yeah, that would be. Oh, v, I'm leaving the show when you when you bring a soundboard onto the show. I'm gone. No, it's like this is man, like all right, never mind. Depends on the sounds, I guess. Depends on the sounds. If it's like like maybe it's like. All right, I can see the benefit. I'm coming around to it. Jared, uh, the first time, <laughs> the first time we met you, we were both working on Loud House and Gene also. So like that's how we, the three of us know each other. Yes. And at the time, you were a prop designer, and now you're a storyboard artist. And we want to like ask you about like your path and your career. And you know what? Let's just kind of like start from where you were a kid let's hear it baby Jared. let's take it back little jared still with a beard yeah it's just like mildly less bald yeah <laughs> did you always draw was this something that you were always interested in yeah i mean like i think like most cartoonists it's just like something that's like it's like hard tra to trace back to like a specific event like you just kind of yeah, like sure. it feels like you just kind of came out of the womb and Specifically, I think with cartoonists, it's just like just trying to draw dumb stuff. Yeah, that was your thing. Yeah, I think so. I think I I think it's always been like I think deep down you're you know like I'm always a class clown. Yeah. So did you like draw? Would you say you drew for yourself, or did you draw for like other people? Like, were you trying to make other people laugh with your drawings? Column A, column B, maybe. I I think I think initially it was like just drawing for myself but then when you saw you got a reaction from people you're just like oh this is like a thing yeah yeah it becomes like a form of identity like you sort of develop a personality you say identity and i was like it's like a poison <laughs> <laughs> now i have to do this like i have to i have to perform yeah when wait when did you start like feeling that way though that you had to perform like as a kid even like even as a kid you Life has been a burden on you forever, hasn't it? It really has. <laughs> you were like six years old. You're like, I don't want to do no, this anymore. It, I think like I, I remember, I distinctly remember the first time I got praised for drawing something. And uh, I was watching Return of Jafar on VHS. Okay. Good, good choice. <laughs> no, it, it's a terrible movie. Yeah. But like I was watching it. And then I started to pause the VHS and then I would just like lay a piece of like typing paper over the screen oh. and like trace, like I, like I was like very early on, like uh freeze framing, like Damn. stuff, like it's subconsciously, like I didn't really know what I was kind of doing. I was just like, Oh, that's a funny face. I want to like replicate that. And then, yeah. you know, I like traced it. And I think like a parent or something like that was like, Oh, look at you. <laughs> Look at this little fucker go. Look at him go. When when your parents like noticed you drawing, did like 
were you excited about it or were you just kind of like no this is my thing no like, drawing is supposed to be done shamefully and alone <laughs> amen <laughs> no one no one should like look at it you should be praised for it <laughs> <laughs> and when did you start drawing comics because like i guess like you were you were right when you were like or did you start drawing comics like in middle school or anything? uh very early too like just because like my dad is always liked like my dad's a real salt of the earth like factory worker type dude oh yeah uh but like he's always really loved like comics and cartoons and so they mm -hmm. they were always kind of around and uh my dad was like a huge fan of the far side oh, oh interesting. Yeah. okay and that was like a very formative thing for me and so like i remember being like even in like elementary or something like that and just kind of uh mimicking this like one panel gags which like i'm sure at that age were like nonsensical jokes that like i thought were hilarious but didn't make any sense <laughs> yeah i mean they made sense to you yeah where it's just like i was like oh yeah you can make like one drawing and then just write especially because it was a far side and they're single panel gags right right so right. like early on i was like oh like the laziness came out early where i was like oh you can just draw like one drawing and write some bullshit underneath it and then people are like oh, that's that? it that's really yeah. it <laughs> i love that have you seen heathcliff lately that's kind of all heathcliff is Dude, I love those Heathcliff cards. They're like, getting weird. It's getting like abstract and surrealist. Like it's it's something. I, that's that's what I love about it. It's like this Lynchian horror. Yeah, it's getting worse and we all love garbage, Ape. I remember we all started going buck wild for a second on like Cuphead because we kind of yeah. got obsessed with some of those Heathcliff cartoons. Yeah. Uh, just because again, they're they're just like nonsensical. They don't make any sense, but like they objectively rule. Yeah, well, it's something different. I have to look at them. I have never seen these. Oh, they're oh man, V. They're insane. It's like it's like the son of the dude. I think I could be wrong. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the original yeah. author. But oh, yeah, it, okay. It's gotten abstract. Like he, he. I mean, he's been the comic's been on for like or around for like fifty years, I think at least. Yeah, because I think I know the original. Oh, like yes. But I don't. I have. I have not heard of the yeah. new one. <laughs> There's like a recurring comic where there's an ape with garbage cans on its oh, arms and it's just like swinging him around and every and every time they're like, we love garbage it's ape. So, Here comes garbage ape. And it's also like there's like a running gag with like bubble gum that like has become so obtuse that like I don't even know what the fucking joke is anymore. Yeah, that's how all of them are. It's like, what's the punchline here? I, I don't know. <laughs> but like going back to the far side, that was like my favorite thing about the far side though. Where it's just like, you know, Gary Larson would get hate mail for doing a strip like cow tools. Like, yep, yep, made yep. no it's sense unless you understood like the vague biological joke that he was making. Or <laughs> I don't. Know. I actually never really knew what it was. So. Yeah, well, there's like a great retrospective book that he put out with like all of his hate mail. Oh wow, that's really funny. Oh yeah, and like all of his editor notes and stuff like that, and like. Some of the stuff that he wanted to do, which, you know, now would probably be passe. Like, he wasn't allowed to do, if I remember right, I could be wrong again. Like, he wasn't allowed to put, like, outhouses. Oh, what the fuck? In, like, strips. And he was like, I've done so much worse. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, I, the the whole, like, I, it's probably not S&P for comics, but the whole notion of S&P is, 
hilarious to me where it's like you have to draw in seatbelts in every scene even when it's clearly not an like a practical vehicle yeah that's always that's always made me laugh i mean like i you know like i think everyone's had a hilarious story dealing with smp where you're just like they're not real (laughs) yeah yeah it's a cartoon i can't i can't remember if i told this story on the podcast but there was a show one of my friends worked on they had to have bicycle helmets in a dream (laughs) (laughs) and even in the dream snps will follow you it's uh it's imitatable behavior that's always the uh, that's the excuse it's always so funny though because it's like i never i never once watched a cartoon though and like i'm not even saying i was a smart kid (laughs) i was like a dumb kid right i'm a dumb adult but like I was never just like you know what let me reenact something I saw in a cartoon yeah yeah that might be some like Darwinist shit if, if that plays out like I don't know how long was that kid really gonna last can we be, what I mean, can we be real people would do I get like people would imitate jackass so. I was just about to talk about yeah. jackass I, I, just, <laughs> I literally just like spoke out loud and I was like in the same breath I was like we did actually hit each other in the balls a lot yeah <laughs> But that's but that's the thing. It's like that's that's a live action show. It's not even a cartoon, and so I think that's more imitatable because you recognize it as a thing a, like a human can do. Right. And so a kid is more likely to imitate because it's like I want to be like Johnny Knoxville, but I I don't. No one's jumping off of roofs to be like Superman. Like that's always a thing that is brought up, and it's like actually, does that happen? No, I did do. I actually did happened? do that. <laughs> okay, you know what? So we had to throw out everything we just said <laughs> in the last ten minutes. J- Jared, you are the problem. Uh, this should come with a disclaimer of like, don't. I'm the most unreliable narrator about everything. Jared, you're the, you're the reason why we have SNP. I hope you know that. Well, my mom has a great story where like they bought me that like one of those shitty like probably like Party City cape and cow things like Batman. Yes. You know we like we lived in this like before my brother and sister were born or like uh, while I was still a, a single child, I guess only child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Single time. <laughs> I, I, I can't quite. Uh, I'm not gonna riff on that. Not recorded. Yes. But no, like they bought me a cape and cow, and like uh, immediately jumped off the uh, <laughs> the porch and like uh, completely bloody my face on the pavement. Oh Jesus! Immediately. I like I like the addition of immediately. Well, Jared, you're the reason why we. You're have the reason. Issue. Yeah, but I'm also like terminally dumb. So like yeah, but a lot of the country is unfortunately. <laughs> I expect better from everybody else. Like if if I'm a benchmark for intelligence, uh, we're doomed. Dude, Jared, I gotta tell you, I think you are so much smarter than like most of America, as we've seen in the past yeah, year. So maybe, maybe just louder. Actually, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you talk every. If you want to uh, come off smart, you gotta talk. Yeah, loud. like. Uh, have you guys ever seen uh, uh, Eastbound and Down? A little bit. There's like a little bit where like uh, Dan McBride oh, yeah, like seen a lot of- scream fighting with somebody and he's clearly wrong. And he's just like, if I stop yelling, that means I lost the fight. That sums up probably my entire life. I feel like <laughs> I funny. need to watch this show again. Yeah. Oh my God. Because I, I watched it like before I moved to the US. So there was like, <laughs> it was just so hard to watch because so much of what happens is so cringy but it's but the characters are really endearing too but it's also just like oh no every every minute of the show is just like oh i don't know if i can keep going yeah i, I have a hard time with like 
cringe comedy and like it really has to i really have to love the characters to to but it's really it. it's 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 really good though i i just really i just i really like that girl character that like the protagonist was really into oh, April? i don't know why i really like her yeah she's awesome i i really like i like cringe comedy only because like it's painful to watch but it's also therapeutic because it's like you know you watch like larry david and like i don't know like what you fuck it curb your enthusiasm <laughs> yeah and like there's like so many things where i'm like ah, yeah i get it i've done that yeah <laughs> totally and i do like curb i will say this i've watched all of curb your enthusiasm so i guess i do like some cringe comedy i feel like yeah you have to be like in some kind of a mood i don't know what the metric is but yeah let's let's take it back <laughs> enough about that shit <laughs> I was going to ask you about, so you said that you had always like comics uh, laying around in like in the house and stuff like do you and so you were you started reading comics like really early. What about um, cartoons like TV? Was that something that you were interested in as a kid? Uh, like same thing. Like it was always like around like it wasn't like as a kid, I, I didn't really even think there was going to be like a career path, but like, right. Like, my dad's always been a big fan of, like, old Fleischer Popeyes and, like, Superman and, like, Looney Tunes and stuff like that. And so, and even, like, my grandma and stuff like that, like, my grandma would, like, bootleg, like, Don Bluth films. So, like, oh, fuck yeah. you know. <laughs> fuck yeah, grandma. Yeah, like, you know, like, we were a poor family. So, like, you'd have, like, these bootleg uh, VHS tapes with, like, you know, a whole bunch of like recorded off TV Looney Tunes, and then like. Oh my God! I had those sure. same tapes. Like oh, my yeah. mom would like actually uh, wait for like there was a special program on TV that would, and you know, you always had like a host that would present the Looney Tunes. Obviously, they were all dubbed in French. Huh. But yeah, you would have this guy like like presenting the Looney Tunes, and then yeah, she she would like tape those on VHS, and I I really liked being sick because when we were sick, we were allowed to watch all the. <laughs> VHS. Yeah, same. Uh, like, I would go to my grandma's a lot just because, like, she, you know, like, but it also, like, probably, like, messed me up because, like, there was no rhyme or reason to what was on some of those tapes. So, like, you would go from watching, like, you know, Secret of Nim, and then, like, it would be, like, Robocop. It's already kind of fucked up. Yeah. And so that's probably, like, a huge huge part of my dna like what's messed up my brain yeah those like specific like vhs like those yeah because it was like it was like white trash mixtapes <laughs> you know like there was no rhyme or reason and like you know there was like a piece of scotch tape that like maybe in ballpoint pen would have like would be like uh Looney tunes three stooges and then like there's still six hours of like content on there and so, like, sometimes, like, a, you just, like, get them and start watching something. And then the next thing you know, there was, like, something you were, weren't supposed to be watching. Yeah, man, piracy was easy and fun back then. <laughs> it was just, like, renting shit and then just straight up recording it onto your home. Yeah, videos. but it was, like, great because, like, there was, like, you know, like, I have specific memories of, like, you know, like, A Troll in Central Park, which is a movie that kind of blows. Yeah. <laughs> but like it was like right next to like sword in the stone and there's no rhyme or reason mm -hmm. why those were next to each other but i always had like a double feature of those just because they were on the same vhs tape interesting 
Yeah, that, that is a weird mixtape of of a uh, of content. Yeah, like it it just doesn't make any sense. But then, like you know, it start, it slowly starts slip, slipping into your DNA. Absolutely. But I think that that like we talk about this all the time is just like, and we can come back to it later. But like, I think that the weird influences are like where we form our artistic identities, and it's like the more weird shit that you consume as a kid, the more three-dimensional your like your own you know style and aesthetic will be and it's like if all you've ever watched is disney you you're not gonna have anything new to offer you know so it's like the fact that you grew up on all that weird shit is like why your art is so bonkers and fun and like over the top yeah man like if if you if you're fed media in like a certain type of way like like if you're getting vhs tapes with like stuff you know, you weren't a virgin. You were fucked from the start. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like your your complete taste and everything is now going to be bonkers. Like yeah. it's like one thing to watch like Disney Channel or stuff that's like carefully curated, but if you just have family that's putting like whatever on a tape, uh, you're in for a ride. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely. I feel like for me, I had that going on a little bit more with like comics because my dad loved a lot of these like uh kind of like 70s 80s comics that were like you know like that sci-fi from that time where it's just like grand hero journey and then a bunch of weird shit and like usually a bunch of naked ladies and already oh comics are like even worse because it's like like i grew up in like a very very small town right so like you know it's a small town like two thousand people there's no comic Mm -hmm. shops or anything like that but like for whatever reason and like I think it was after the, I think it was after like the comic bubble burst with like speculative buying for whatever reason, like the local grocery store started packing a whole bunch of, I think like dead stock comics. Like it was like four comics in like a bag. You couldn't see what was in it, but it was like a dollar. Oh, interesting. And so (laughs) I would go once a week with my parents to the grocery store and just like buy them. And like, so like, you would get like a Spider-Man comic from like 1982, a Spawn number 32, maybe a Mad Magazine. It was just bonkers. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, what a weird smattering. Well, it was just like a, a Kinder Egg of Dumb. Like. A <laughs> Kinder Egg of Dumb. What a, that's your that's your life story. It really is. And then like another part of it is like. A Kinder Egg of Dumb. You know, like you have that and you're 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 never gonna get like an entire I've never read an entire run of comic <laughs> at once because that's mm. how I was buying comics as a kid. Yeah. And sometimes you give like I mean there was like weird shit sometimes in them too. Like there'd be like Mobius's like silver surfer comic. Oh wow. You know? That's cool. I can't imagine being a kid and being up to date on comics like getting weeklies like that is an adult ass thing is getting the you know your drop box whatever it's called but yeah when like when i was a kid i would just go sometimes i would end up in a comic shop and i would just get whatever looked good and it was like sonic number 78 you know Mm -hmm. and i have no idea what the fuck is happening but then i still have those issues and i'm like man this is like weirdly influential Yeah, sometimes that's dark though dude because like one time when i graduated high school instead of just going like straight to college like you know my peers i went and worked in a factory for a little while because mm-hmm. i wasn't sure if i wanted to go to art school or if that was something that was mm-hmm. even going to be in the cards and i found this like uh comic shop that was like uh kind of close to the factory that i worked at 
and like you would roll up and there was like this ancient dude chain smoking cigarettes outside that didn't even want you going in and i went there one time and i just picked up some comics i thought was cool and like one of the comics i like bought and the dude stopped me he was like do you know what you're buying and they're all bagged and boarded you couldn't open them, you know uh right. i was like i don't know he's like all right like i was like the cover looked cool he was like whatever you want boss you know, 350. What did you get? Total furry porn. Ah, you got. <laughs> and now you're a furry. That's how they get yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Now, like, now I'm into squirrels or something. Yeah. Right? I love that, like, I love description that description of, of this guy. That was like, I was like on the edge of my seat. I was yeah. like, what are you? No, he got like, he got like mad pissed at me because, like, really? uh, I asked him if he had, some, like, I was just getting into a, like uh grant morrison's doom patrol run because you know it's so like dadas and weird uh yeah. it was like right before i got into like alt comics it was like before i discovered like gary panner and port thunder and stuff like that mm-hmm. i was like you know grant morrison's a genius at that point like 18 sure i was like it's so deep yeah it's all edgelordy mm-hmm. like yeah like oh totally i was a total edgelord i still am yeah same same hat <laughs> But, like, I asked him to, like, I was like, do you have any Doom Patrol? And, like, he was so mad pissed. Oh, yeah? But I also bought, like, he also had, like, a huge grip of, like, old, like, um, underground stuff. And it's, like, the first time that I had seen stuff like Spain Rodriguez and S. Clay Wilson. And, and it actually ended up being super dope because, like, by accident, I was looking for old Turtles comics. And, like, mm-hmm. next to, like, the Tundra long box and stuff like that, there was all this, like, last gasp and early fanographic stuff where you know i had never seen any of this underground like i never even seen crumb stuff at that Damn. point oh right so by you you mean like by looking for turtles you actually like stumble onto uh, uh, yeah you know there's this huge grip of like old like 80s black and white that that you know like and that led to even stuff like bone and stuff like that you know oh wow because yeah. like there was all this independent stuff over there that like i didn't even know what was going on like i was still like mm-hmm. in spider-man like the, the i thought like spawn was underground oh i see mm-hmm. and so that was super awesome because like and even dudes that i did know who existed like you know aragones and stuff like that i only knew him from mad magazine like i'd never seen like a groove comic sure and that was a huge deal yeah i can definitely i mean that that influence definitely comes through in your work i think that like it's not a surprise because I feel like a lot of that early cartoony kind of, I want to say almost grotesque stuff. Would you say that that's like accurate? I don't know what's a better word for it. It's, it I mean, it's, it is kind of grotesque, but like, it's like, I, I don't know how to kind of quantify it. I like, yeah. I kind of look at it and it was like, it, it made such an impression on me because it was like, I think by today's standards, it's kind of passe. Maybe, maybe with the totally. exception of like, maybe discourse online about people like crumb and stuff like that like sure yeah but like you know like you know and i, and I was 18 like i was an adult and i saw this stuff and i was like what the hell is this yeah and it was just so far like it was cartoony it was weird like it suddenly put everything in rack focus you know because like i was a huge ren stimpy and rocco fan mm. and stuff like that and like it was like finding the rosetta stone you know yeah, totally. Do you feel like finding these comics kind of made you want to pursue that art more seriously? I don't know if it made me want to pursue it more seriously as it like it like opened up a new vista that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like 
you know, like if you're growing up in a small town pre the explosion of the internet, like you're kind of, you're kind of living like 10 years behind. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you're kind of only getting the stuff that's like, you're getting like Spider-Man comics, which, you know, not to dunk on Spider-Man comics, but like you're getting the most popular of the popular. Sure. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it was like the first time seeing something that was kind of like counterculture that was like, holy shit, you know, you don't have to draw this one way. Yeah, it opens up your mind. Oh, so do you mean like, yeah, you mean like all the, until that point, you thought that you kind of had to, like that if you were to pursue art as a career, like the the one way to draw was like that Marvel DC kind of way of drawing? Right, exactly. That's kind of really what it was because it's like, you know, you know, best case scenario when you're a kid growing up and you're just like, I like comics and cartoons, a relative's going to give you like a how to draw the Marvel way or right. something like that. And they're, yeah. And I even think that book's pretty dope, but like, you know, it really wasn't where my interest was. Like, I was like, I kind of like cartoons and comics, but like, I always kind of felt out of step with where my interests were. You're just like, oh, you're supposed to draw this one way. And then when you see, like, even somebody like Harvey Picar, the first time I picked up an American Splendor. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not even the biggest fan, but I was like, holy shit. Like, what yeah. the hell? sparks something i think that like you you mentioned earlier that you can't think of a specific moment that like started you drawing but i think it sounds like this was the moment for you though that like made it feel attainable and it wasn't just because every kid draws so it's like well it was it was it was that and it was also like the two other things so like completely like turn my brain to shit was like mm-hmm. it was kind of around the same time i bought a couple issues of Scud the Disposable Assassin. I was gonna ask you about Scud. I feel like Scud is, comes through in your work so much. You don't have a tattoo from Scud, right? Really? Oh shit! Okay, that. Oh, damn. I've got the. I've, it's so lame. I got it when I was like twenty. I've got the Heartbreaker tattoo. Oh wow. Okay. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I did not know that about you. That's great. Uh, yeah, Scud was a Scud was a huge deal. Like, uh, just because it's so irreverent and weird, and was like, it was at that exact same time where it was like a comic that was black and white as well that was like i was like oh shit i can just like sit down with like some copy paper and like and i was doing that as a kid but like it legitimized it seeing something you can buy in a store right right Mm -hmm. like there's one thing being a kid and like folding and stapling something because my mom taught me how to like fold like how to make like as i was drawing she taught me how to like fold the pages and how to organize them to make like a comic oh make like an ash can yeah and like but at the time you know that was just something that you did to like hand out to your friends at recess yeah and then seeing scud it was like a black and white comic and it was like right with the one two of seeing all this stuff from the 70s and 80s they're like yeah it completely turned my brain to shit it all happened at the same time That's really awesome, though. Like, I was wondering, like, uh, so how long did you work at the factory after high school? I worked for about eight months before I got laid off. And it was the same day that I quit and it ruled. <laughs> like that, like, yeah. because, like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to art school. Yeah. And so, like, when I graduated high school, my dad to, like, uh, because my dad's, like, again, like a real salt to the earth factory worker dude. I was like, I don't know if I went to art school. And my dad saw through that shit real quick. And like, so for graduation at high school, uh, he got me a, his present to me was getting me a job 
at a uh, at the factory it worked at mm. and then like within uh, yeah within eight months i was like dad i'm quitting and he's like yeah go to school this sucks <laughs> that's actually kind of that's actually like i don't know that's kind of that's really sweet like he's like yeah now you figure you figured it out through your actions no like yeah it's like at the time i was like lame he's making me work at a factory but like it was him <laughs> just being like this sucks you don't want to do this yeah that's really that's really like this blows and also you're a soft little feminine art kid you're never gonna laugh. <laughs> he's like you don't want this life kid yeah they're gonna eat you alive <laughs> damn so what did you do after that i went to scat and then i dropped out of scad <laughs> yeah i was gonna say did you finish scad i forgot i always forget where scad is where is it it's in georgia it's the band of georgia okay. yeah how long did you attend went for a year like how like how's the schooling there like do you start with like a like the first year is it kind of like it's like all foundational which which mm. is pretty cool it's like how it should be it's like it's that very um kind of Bauhaus way of like teaching art can you explain that explain scat explain you said the Bauhaus and I don't, I don't really know what that means I could be like making I could be I could be misrepresenting that term sure but like it's very much but how do you interpret it well it's just like it's like let's be all the fundamentals it's like you need to learn like shape form like it's like 2d design 3d design you have to go through all the processes so like they're not gonna just be like okay you want to go into animation let's like start animating on tuesday one you know like you're gonna spend a lot of time doing a sculpture design and a lot of stuff that you're just like why the fuck am i doing this but it's ultimately like super important I kind of like that uh, that there's schools that I don't know. I feel like uh, sometimes when I hear about CalArts, I feel like it's a little bit almost like too much too soon in terms of like animation. It's like I think it's really good to have like foundation background, like doing like life drawing and all that stuff. Well, I think it's ultimately kind of also one of those things where I don't know about you guys, but like even you know, I know we we just spend a lot of time talking about influences with cartooning and stuff but i find i have a ton of influences that are so much more prevalent the older i get that aren't uh cartoonist related well yeah i mean like if you want to talk about school it's it, for me it's a really short story where it's like art school is so expensive and again i grew up in like at, at the time i didn't really realize it because it's like what i knew but like i grew up in pretty abject poverty Mm -hmm. um, like we didn't even have a phone growing up damn so like you know like when i went to school i was like it was such a culture shock because like everyone was so light years ahead of me like i you know i never drawn on a tablet i i barely had a working computer growing up like you know like i had a computer that couldn't even run flash games off newgrounds you know mm -hmm. so like when i went to art school i was like holy hell and then it was just, like, so expensive that, like, I had to, like, I had to drop out, but there was, like, a whole bunch of other, like, I got the, like, the worst card drawn ever, where it's, like, or not ever. That sounds, that, yeah, there's been some that, pretty that's bad cards drawn. But, like, but I get what you mean. Uh, but it was just, like, it was bad luck of the draw, where it was, like, you know, my family, like, my dad lost his job after the uh, housing crash with house oh shit um all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. and like you know like my tuition was like it was not on the table of things to keep going right yeah. and so like when i dropped out i was like okay well this didn't work and then like uh 
started drawing comics and stuff yeah yeah and how did that like did you did you get like professional gig like soon or how did how did it work how did you manage to work in comics right after like one year? uh barely like yeah. i mean like it was mostly just like like i was working at a candy store <laughs> <laughs> for a long time yeah. and then i started working at uh paula dean's restaurant <laughs> wow okay <laughs> which was pretty wild and sucked major ass and i worked there for five years <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah and i was just like because like there's no money in comics you know right right yeah no and like, in, in the comics that i draw like i'm not i know other peers of mine that have like had very successful careers drawing like licensed stuff or like marvel stuff but i'm not that dude like and I had to make peace with that early on. That's why I'm asking you all those questions because I think like this is something that I'm really interested in in your in your path is like you know like the challenges and like how you went through all of them you know like how how that looked like for you. So well, like I think what it was was just like mostly being like okay, well like I think if you're stupid enough to be a cartoonist, so you can only move forward, <laughs> right? That's that's an that's an yeah. That's a, that's a very good observation. Like like if you're if you're if you're so silly enough to get into the stuff, like you can only you can only move forward. So like everything's just like a weird roadblock. And so like I would just go to work, and then I would stay up till six o'clock in the morning drawing comics, trying to get like two pages and like a anthology that no one's ever gonna buy. <laughs> like i did like i made this horrible graphic novel that i tried to apply for the zarek grant before it went away uh and didn't get it because it was a terrible comic (laughs) you know like (laughs) i'm like figuring out how to draw like i don't know what the hell i'm doing like how old were you around this time i was probably like 21 to 24 okay like because like there was like about a year after i dropped out of college i was like well my life's over yeah like i was like i'll never work in the arts which is like the dumbest that's so not true yeah yeah that's exactly why we're asking you about it because i think a lot of people think that way like a lot of people think like oh if i if i don't make it all the way uh until the end of college then that's it or like oh if i like submit this comic and it doesn't work then that's it and like I like that you just like never gave up. You just like kept going. Well, I think it was too stupid. I I had nothing else. Like I wasn't. I'm not good at anything, Pete. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no, but it's like I know. I know you're. I know the way you're saying it, Jared, because I know you. But I feel like you know, like there, you you did have like that confidence that like you could do it. Like somewhere, like somewhere inside of your psyche, there's like a voice that was like, you can keep doing this. Uh, <laughs> because like a lot of other people could be like well if this isn't working i'll just like work at mcdonald's until like i don't know forever you know? well it's it's yeah. well it's a fallacy of like instant gratification like there there is no gratification in this this like career okay let me let, let me organize my thoughts for a second like mm. instant gratification in art is so fleeting and it means nothing yeah like you have to be wanting to do this stuff because like you have the compulsion to do it like i think of this great thing that dan klaus it's not a great thing it's kind of a shitty thing but like so like dan klaus forever for like 20 years after like ghost world anytime somebody was like how do you get into comics he's like don't 
Yeah, just don't. And then somebody like, if you have to, somebody ask. twenty years later called him out on it. They're just like, "Why did you just keep saying this?" Where he's like, "If you listen to a dumbass from Chicago that made one decent graphic novel and you quit, then you would have never made it." Absolutely. Like you, you kind of have to be a glutton for punishment with all this stuff, and like. That's not yeah. to say people yeah. are weak or that people are dumb or anything like that. I'm not trying to dunk on anybody. No, but it, you either want to or you don't. Like, there's no... You can't force passion for something. You can't... You know what? I feel like this Like this reminds me so much of a video that I watched about Bukowski where he basically has, like, on... I think it, like, from the, vi from the video, if I remember it well, it says, that, like, on his grave. So... Oh, shit, this sucks. We're bringing up Bukowski and my... We're bringing up fucking Bukowski. Oh I, I love like such an edge lord. God damn it, B. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but I love Bukowski. I like. I'm the. I'm the one that like. That's literally the uh, reason why I live in downtown LA is because I'm like. I feel like I'm in a fucking Bukowski <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, no, continue. I'm sorry. I'm just being an asshole. No, but like on his like, I think it's on his gravestone, right? It says something like "Don't try" or something, yeah. and it's like yeah, because it's like it's like I mean. I know it's such a bad so thing, but it's like it's true. It's like if you Don't if you have to try bother. so hard, like is it like you know is it like are you really that passionate about it? Like I don't know. I remember I tweeted like, "Oh, I love drawing," and you were like, "Boo!" Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> well, "That's like, Jared. That's yeah, just Jared." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, it's true though, right? Like you you do it because you can't give it up, right? It's a compulsion. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you guys had this, but like, I think early like when I was like. Is, is the nascent ages of like social media where like you saw all these like cool artists and you're just like i want to be part of that club and yep. you start chasing mm -hmm. a club that like that's like the dumbest thing you can do mm -hmm. yeah i i relate to that so much we're just like i think a lot of people get like so like upset because they're like they're chasing somebody else's friend group or like validation from like these other people where it's just like nah dude just like draw do your thing it does, there's sort of a, it does feel like a club, and I get that on the outside looking in, it, it feels really, like, compelling and fun to draw and to have these jobs even, like, and, you know, if, if that's what, like, drives you, by all means, but I think that, like, it's really hard work, and, like, and the thing is, is it takes a lot of sacrifice and also just, like, mental hardship to even get to the point where you're working steadily and like people will ask me you know like for these shortcuts or same thing that you know was asked of clouds like how do you get into this and it's like dude i don't know and anything i tell you is not going to be valid because it you can't copy the steps exactly you just have to beat your head against a wall until it clicks and in order to do that you have to have that compulsion like you have to you there's no you can't teach that that's like like art school can't teach compulsion it can't teach drive it can't teach passion well so, it's like, like one of those weird things when people ask you like how do you get into this and i was like I, I i can't tell you because like i've done everything wrong <laughs> sure like i've never made a portfolio i've never made a resume i've done this in the dumbest way possible so like please god don't listen to me yeah yeah there's no right way i don't think there's any right way and i think that like it's all dumb I feel like there's no right way, but I think every, like it's always like really interesting to hear like everybody's like different story. Like, and I think that's also why I was asking you like all these questions about like how you were drawing comics and like 
since like you were working at like the restaurant and drawing comics on the side, like what was kind of the, what happened next for you? Well, like, <laughs> I guess, well, yeah, I, mean, I guess this is like a perfect lead in where it's like, yeah, I was doing comics mostly because like, you know, comics, you know, like the beauty about comics is like, you don't need a budget. You just have like the time that you're able to carve out. And like, you know, I was drawing on like garbage paper, you know, shitty brushes uh, and just like doing my thing. And do you guys know Nath Milburn? Yes. yes. Yeah. Nath's yeah. a homie. And like Nath and another friend of mine, Melzer, um, they end up getting like a, uh, a short or it was like, but they, they did it through the East coast way. They got, they, they got like, because we're all in Georgia. Mm hmm they got like a short uh greenlit and then uh nathan melzer i think hired me because they like realized they didn't have to pay me much <laughs> <laughs> it was like originally supposed to be like doing some like board stuff and i'd never done board stuff outside of school like i took like one board class one animation board class they hired me and it was pretty fun and i was like oh all right well i'm doing all this comic stuff anyway but like now i did something for Nick, maybe I can give this another shot. And so I reached out to, <laughs> this is where I'm like terminally dumb. Uh, I reached out to Kevin Lee, who I thought was the recruiter. Uh, <laughs> turning out that like, you know, Kevin Lee is like part of development at the time. And I was like, hey man, can I take a test for any show? And Kevin emailed me back and he was like, <laughs> who the fuck are you why did you know <laughs> yeah uh but he was like you know he i had like my tumblr or something in like my email signature and he looked at my stuff and he was like hey your stuff's really cool would you be interested in like pitching a short and i was like oh weird and so i started putting this short pitch together and then like two days later i got an email from a woman that i had never met named amanda rinda was like mm -hmm. would you like to test for the loud house that is so awesome so you basically like they they saw your work because you put together a pitch well like yeah well i was just like being dumb like i was not going through the right channels <laughs> no but that's so funny though because ian said like pretty much the same thing too but it's like you know it's kind of like what you're saying it's like you just have to like like reach well, out like yeah you kind of <laughs> have to be fearless about the reaching out thing because like and even with kevin it was so fucking funny because like I had no idea how any of animation works, you know, like I was a dumb urchin. And so like Kevin was emailing me being like, you should pitch a short. And I'm like, I don't know how that works. Like I just wanted a job. <laughs> and so like, uh, I, I had scheduled a uh, call with uh, Kevin. And it was the first time we had talked like on the phone and like, it was so funny because like, uh, it psyched me out because there was, I guess, another person like with a similar name that he was like dealing with. And so like I called Kevin just to go over stuff and he answers the phone and he was like, he's like, hey, man, they're going to pass on your thing. They just don't think it works. I don't oh, no. I'm like, <laughs> what a and like he was mentioning like Phil, Rinda and stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, OK, Um, I thought we were just going to go over this i didn't know i was getting like canceled already and he was like wait 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 <laughs> <laughs> and for like a second i was like oh god that's so brutal oh man like i didn't even get my foot in the door and everything's over already oh no 
but it was just like a funny misunderstanding and like <laughs> it was like <laughs> I think it set me up for like all failure in animation where I was originally like, from then on yeah, I was like oh like yeah just you just don't get to go <laughs> man that's that's a that'd be really fucking traumatic just like immediately dude like, for like Sorry. a split second for like a minute I was like so depressed oh wow um, and how like how did how did the rest of the call go oh the rest of the call went swimming it was great like <laughs> once like it was just like a mix-up of wiring and like yeah how things were scheduled that yeah. I think was like it will actually now that I think about it, it's kind of like super sucks because somebody's thing was awesome. yeah somebody somebody <laughs> named like Mar- Mara Jorgen just got yeah their shit <laughs> like canceled. somebody's shit was getting passed on but like uh, Justin Morgan yeah I would experience that failure later <laughs> yeah well it happens at some point there's no avoiding it were you uh were you still in the wait where were you at that time were you in Georgia I was in Georgia yeah yeah. And did you basically make the move to LA to start doing props design? Uh, yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, I I I did a bit of free. I like freelance on the Loud House for like six months. Uh, I think mostly because I sucked, <laughs> and they weren't sure if they wanted to hire me. And I think I wore them down because I <laughs> had no idea what I was doing. I don't think any of us did. Honestly, though, I, I feel like it was a pretty common way for them to start that show because I, I was freelancing for them i remember like when i even though i tested and i got the job well and on top of that i was like international so they had like all the visa problem but they were like well first we got to see a couple boards so i did a couple boards and they're like well now we gotta wait to get like the, the second half of the season peak pickup and then they were like okay well then maybe we're going to try to get you to come over yeah i i waited for like yeah they they I remember talking to Amanda and like, you know, I got the job in like October or whatever. I didn't start actually designing until January. And then it wasn't until they got like the back half pickup that moved out in June, I think. I think that's how the timeline worked. Mm. How was it like for you to move to LA? Sucks. (laughs) No, it was fine. Like, it was just like, it was so slapdash because it's like you have like basically three weeks to move out you know and then yeah pack up your whole life yeah pack up your whole life you know i've never been to california like it's all the stuff like i can't even imagine moving internationally because like even moving within the states like it was just like the apartment we tried to get fell through and then like like i had to basically go to a complex and just hand them like a cashier's check and be like Please tell me I have a place to live when I come back in like three days. Wow. Shit. Oh, wow. Dude, I feel like, uh, I feel like I really lucked out. I can't remember if I told the story of me moving out to LA on this uh, podcast, but I, I literally went on Facebook and I was like, um, anyone looking for roommates? But that's, that's like the move though. I mean, like it's, well, it's also like sucks because like LA in California in general, like it's like its own ecosystem. So like, yep, there's nothing really to prepare you for. I feel like that first year when you move out is like so fucking hard. Yeah, it's the it's the hard. It gets easier as you go, and then eventually it starts to get worse. <laughs> and there's a sweet spot there in the middle. But yeah, there's an ebb and flow. But like that that first year where you're just like, wait, you're telling me every pizza place sucks. 
<laughs> oh, dude. For, yeah, for like three years, I couldn't find a pizza place that I didn't hate. And then finally, it like that like cemented where I wanted to live, like the area. Because I was like, oh, there's a good pizza place here. I can survive here. That's so funny. I feel like I never, I don't know. Well, I guess I already had lived in like the the vicinity of LA when I was a teenager. So I, I maybe I probably had like a good idea what it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I have no idea. Like, we, like I got, I had a one-way plane ticket. Like my, my fiance went back and like, was like packing up the rest of the apartment. And like, I was on a plane that I got dropped off at Airbnb. I was like, God, I hope this doesn't blow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much kind of start from scratch. You definitely start from scratch, but, like, it almost helps to try to not bring stuff with you. If you can, like, you know, if you're dragging too much of your own shit around with you, it's, like, it's harder. The more stuff you bring over, the harder it is because you're trying to, like, force a previous life into this this new life. I guess that's why it was, like, kind of easy for me to move out here was probably because, like, when I was gonna when I was planning my move from Paris, I was just, like, you know, I, I'm not gonna like deal with this. So I basically sold everything and I gave. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. Well, like I was more confused with like you know like the people that we did know, that were living out here because like we were just getting like mixed messages where it was like, you know, there's like you gotta live in Echo Park. Uh, no, I don't know. And, like rolled up to Echo Park and there's like, you know, I was like, cool, this place looks great, and then I was like, we have a dog, and there's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that was the hardest part. Is like us having a dog that we moved with. Mm. No place wanted to take us in or like let us apply because we had a dog. And like we were like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. Pet stuff. Our apartment complex doesn't even allow pets. But, but yeah. So, I mean, how long were you on Loud House total? I guess like five years. Maybe a little bit yeah. less. I mean, like, like. Well, I guess probably five years because like I I lasted. I started episode three mm. on design and i stayed on until the first couple episodes of season five so yeah it's probably damn yeah oh, man that's a long time yeah you were there a little you started a little after me but you stayed longer than me so that, that sounds right i was technically i think hired before you oh is that true because yeah you're doing freelance so you probably were there before because me. like i again like I, I you got hired or like you came in house in like what like february is that right yep yep february mm-hmm. yeah and i think i got hired in october but i didn't start my first episode even if it was freelance in, until january interesting interesting mm. yeah so i think for more or less we were probably the same time frame probably the same yeah but you also switched tracks and like that's impressive and i think that's worth talking about because like going from props to boards within the same show is is interesting i think a lot of the time people either feel like they have to make the jump to a different show or just end up doing it that that's what i did but yeah i mean you really got the the feel of the show and so i think it was probably kyle at the time right that our director that that decided to like give you that chance which is great but it seems like you were a pretty good fit like seems like it was a pretty easy transition to make would you say that or would, was it hard i think it was a pretty easy transition because you, you had worked on the comics a little bit so you were like familiar with the did you have to test by the way like because you were a revisionist first right uh i don't even remember how it went out like i know i tested back when chris would always like give me a test but i think chris hated me yeah well it doesn't matter what, really? what do you think yeah look how that worked out <laughs> hey 
Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe that's petty. Ah, fuck them. But anyway. Yeah, I don't feel bad. Whatever. Spicy on this cast. Uh, yeah, oh, we're getting... <laughs> you, you promised you would tank this cast. You have said nothing controversial. And yeah. so I'm the one that has to stir the shit now. Yeah, I know. I'm, tr- I'm actually trying to really be on my best behavior, which... Yeah, that's what I figured. You 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 know, you talk big, Morgan, but you, then you're you're too nice. You're a nice guy. Well, like, I thought it was going to be a little bit spicier. I did drink yeah. before this, so... You got to stir some shit. I love that, like, yeah, I love that you're being so tame. I know. It's going to be a disappointment to everyone. Everyone's hoping that I was going to talk mad shit. <laughs> Well, well, well. Um, I'm just worried about my. I'm. It's bad enough if you hear me talk in person. I don't need to record it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, yeah. Like as far as like boards, yeah. Like yeah, you want some spicy. Uh, Chris was like, yeah, whatever. I don't want to lose him as a board artist or as a prop designer. Yeah. And right. then I was like, well, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> oh yeah. And then it wasn't until Chris got shit canned, and then Kyle was like, okay, step up to the plate. Yeah, the witch is gone. We could finally. <laughs> uh, there was like other. I remember there being like, you know, like again, if you want to get spicy and like talking about the, the shit, like I want to get spicy. Well, like you know, Chris would always like corner me and be like, "You should test out for boards. Or you should do boards and stuff like that." But then he had no interest in ever giving me that job. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. And so, like you know, there was this carrot hanging over my head. So there was other job offers and different shows for things like character design and stuff like that but i knew that i wanted to give boards a shot so i kind of kept staying along and again uh strung along and then uh you know once the pieces fail or fell it ended up actually kind of working out in my favor i guess that's how you want to paint it sure <laughs> why not and then you did boards on there for a little while and then what did you do after that uh so i did i did a couple months of four or Couple months of revisions and then boards on Loud House for about a year. And then I uh, fucked off to a little show called The Cuphead Show. Nice. I think people have heard of it. I think so. Which was super fun, super challenging. Learned a lot from you're surrounded by an insane amount of talent. Yeah, no kidding. That's a crazy crew. Yeah, which like coming in, you know, I had the best board partner in the world, Zoe Moss. Oh, Zoe was your partner. Yeah, I forget that. Yeah, we got we got to get Zoe on the show. Zoe and uh, yeah, her uh, husband Jake. They're they're yeah. Jacob's also super like yeah. They're Zoe was like the uh, you know I never had a board partner before and I was so lucky to have Zoe to riff off with. So she works so hard. She works too hard. Yeah, (laughs) well we'll talk to her about it about her workaholic problems on on her. Yeah, she can give her like spiel, but like uh, I think everyone should be so lucky to have uh. Somebody like Zoe is a board partner. Fuck yeah. It was really great to have that kind of environment where you have somebody that's like equally as remedial dumb as a sense of humor as you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like riff on a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that chemistry is like super yeah. important. The board the board artist chemistry. So like Yeah, I feel like yeah, like that's a, that that is so much about like having a positive experience on this show is like the crew. On, I feel like on Thundercats, I was just so lucky that I got, like, same. Like, you know, you just have, like, a crew that you're all in the same room and you all, like, riff on, like, each other's jokes. And sometimes it makes it in the episode, sometimes it doesn't. But just having a good time and just, like, yeah, <laughs> drawing cartoons. That's the best. Well, you need that, like, yeah. not to sound, like, lame or whatever, but, like, especially with, like, boards and especially board-driven stuff, it's, like, you need that safe space to, like, strike out. Right. Yes. 
because like you're just going to be throwing stuff at the wall and especially if it's board driven you're going to throw out some like garbage jokes right and you kind of need that support system that's like no okay this sucked but like let's keep going <laughs> yeah well you know something because you never know like it might be a bad nugget but then like your partner can be like that was terrible but that like gives me an idea to do this and then you're like right that's what i meant and then it like cuts from there yeah exactly well like yeah you need that kind of like again that kind of like trust and support system where it's like okay we're in this together this is both of our episode let's try to make it suck less yeah <laughs> do the best you can can you talk about what you're working on now i think so i don't know if i can say the name of the actual spin- but i'm working on like storybots for netflix oh cool 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 yeah yeah storybots is great uh, which has been like super fun. It, it's also been like super insane because like I never thought I would be like a dude that's a fit for uh, pre-K. Yeah. Just because of like how I draw and uh, not recorded my sense of humor. Yeah. But it's been it's been really fun. And like they also, uh, you know, like they played to their audience early on where, you know, like the first two shorts I boarded were like barbarian themed. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah i was like okay well yeah you know that's kind of your jam well it's just like you know going back to influences like i think it was like 18 where i watched like Korgoth the barbaria and i was like yeah i've never wanted anything more in my entire life god yeah that you would you would definitely be a good fit for that show thanks for the segue by the way because i want definitely want to come back to that you talked about your influences and you mentioned how there's stuff outside of animation and even comics that you feel like influenced you and i would love to hear about that yeah i mean mean, like you know like just as i'm like sitting in my like little office space like i've got a picture of frank zappa hanging above my desk and you know like i love frank zappa because he was kind of like a hate hippie that was like contrarian Mm -hmm. kind of dunked on everything but also really tried to push his craft he wasn't he wasn't just making like silly songs like he was like composing these like huge band numbers but it just happened to be songs called like don't eat the yellow snow yeah <laughs> you know which like really speaks to me or like you know going back to music again like bands like ween mm-hmm. were you know it's like insanity but they're just like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks yeah you like the experimental stuff it seems like i like experiment yeah and even with like other art like you know comics you know like gary panner you know gary panner draws the most insane stuff and like you know, you look at some of his drawings and it's like, he's not even like drawing with the right side of his brain. He's like using the left side of his thigh. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Or even like, you know, not as really apparent, but like philosophically, like dudes like Stephen King, where like Stephen King's like a dude that can write like four different novels about killer cars. They're all different. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You do read a lot, huh? Like, I know that about you that I try to always reading. I like I I I really like trash fiction and like weird fiction. Mm-hmm. I really like watching people like I like genre. That's my thing. Like I like mm-hmm. watching people try to explore stuff and like I'm not gonna pretend that I'm a dude reading Infinite Jess or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I do like dipping my toes into like genre, and that even goes with like film. You know, like like a dude like Sam Raimi really speaks to me because he's making like a horror movie, but then out of nowhere, there's three Stooges references like that speaks to like exactly how how my my brain works. (laughs) Yeah. The blend, like the blending of, 
I want to say non sequitur, but that's not really not what I mean. It's like, yeah, the combination of aesthetics seems to definitely be a thing that you're drawn to. Well, like I like, I, I always like the um, just messing with like expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that even goes into like even certain anime influences. Like, I don't think it's readily apparent in my art, but that's why I love Akira Toriyama. Mm. Oh boy. Yeah. But, like, you know yeah. me. Everyone on the show is a weeb. Yeah. <laughs> even me, secretly deep down. <laughs> is it that secret though? Is it that secret? Yeah, you're trying really hard not to let anyone see. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've done a good job like hiding my weeb tendencies. Yeah. You hide behind the like the black metal dude uh aesthetic. Yeah. I think I do like the the death metal long sleeves. I think hide yes. it a little bit better, but like people yeah, they're like that's a metal guy and it's like <laughs> <"Haha>, fooled you. <laughs> but I love, love like Toriyama and like the fact that it could be like Chinese mysticism to dinosaurs to like aliens yep. to like hell like whatever he whatever lark he's on has always been super inspirational to me because like i think everyone like i think everyone fucked up their idea of what world building is with like watching too many uh of the lord of the rings extended cut stuff yeah (laughs) where i'm like you don't have to have this major roadmap like toriyama ended up making this amazing roadmap just by like following his gut also it was like it was like a product of the of the medium as well like he he could do that because he was like published in a weekly magazine i feel like when you're i feel like i don't know i, I think this is something he was I running think, out of ideas yeah clearly he's been the vocal as such yeah he'll say it like if you like read interviews and stuff like he literally stopped drawing dr slump to go into dragon ball because he was tired of it his ruled. old idea <laughs> Yeah, all his explanations for things are just like, I don't like drawing cars, so I came up with a different type of car. But that's like my favorite thing of his is like, I, I love the one-off Sandland and like... Yes, Sandland's great. You know, like the, yeah. the entire opening is like, I just wanted to draw a tank and then 300 pages later I'm here and I want to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, but that's really that's really how it is with him though. It's like, that's why he loves drawing the, like the, the models, right? Like um, illustration for your models. Yeah, I mean like, but that's like so fun to me. It's like, I like the idea of like, you know, Toriyama that was just like ripping on stuff or like Gary Panner drawing Jimbo comics, not knowing what panel was going to lead to the next and even switching up styles and cross hatching and, or even going back to Frank Zappa is like, you know, like Frank Zappa can have this beautiful jazz fusion song with no lyrics. And then the next song is about why does it hurt when I pee? Awesome. <laughs> I love that kind of like. There's some reasons for that. Yeah, you know. I feel like it's, I feel like it's got that sense of like, it's like, it makes it more whole. Like, you know, it's not like you're not branding yourself anymore when you like go like in every single direction, right? It's like you're you're being, I don't know. There's like an aspect of being more true to your art, I guess, if you're just- Well, like, there's like, um, I forget who said it. I, well, I, I know who I ripped it from, but I think he he's quoting somebody else. Uh, Robert Ryan Corey, hmm. you know, great character designer. I think like one of his lectures, he has a thing where it's like, uh, there's no rules in art, only uh, only uh, what do you call it? Uh, predictable outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you mess with those predictable outcomes and rules, that's what's really fun. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you can still have a solid story structure, or joke structure, but you can mess with it and still have the same 
great response. And that's why I think even stuff like, you know, there was a renaissance with like, you know, Cartoon Network and Adventure Time and things like that. Like, and people were like, it's yeah. quote unquote random. It wasn't random. It's just good storytelling. No. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah. a, there's a structure underneath, but like, it's just creative. So it's not what you're expecting to see. And so that's why it feels random. But it's I feel like-, like for me, when I saw the pilot, like I, I love the Adventure Time pilot so much. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It was just a, like, I don't know. It felt for me when I saw it, it felt like it was the first time that I saw a a cartoon that was like cheeky about its own genre you know what i'm saying yeah. like it was so meta and it's like it works for little kids because because it is the, the, the like the fairy tale genre but like it, you could watch it as like a 16 year old and like be like well this is so funny because it's making fun of itself well i would go yes. even as far as like you know spongebob was doing that yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't grow up watching a lot of SpongeBob, so I guess for me that's SpongeBob why SpongeBob like, definitely. Yeah. You watch that first yeah. season of SpongeBob, and there's a reason why you know it's just a meme factory at this point online. Is because, yep, everything is like people could laugh and be like, "Oh, random! What were they smoking?" But it's so deliberate, tight, and funny, and like you know, yeah. you look at the Rogues Gallery of dudes around, like you know, Carl Greenblatt, Springer, Waller, you know, like it's the best of the best and they know exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah it's like people are like oh my god like you know like pies explode so random i was like no it works it's hilarious no it's a joke yeah there was intent yeah. and I, I think that like they were also just given the freedom i think that on a lot of shows even now there's tons of talented people and and potential for that kind of like I, I don't, I guess memes, but that's not, you know, that doesn't mean that something's funny, but it is, it gives it this sort of like flexibility that lends itself to being, becoming memes. But I think that like, my point is that like those, they were given the freedom to try shit out. And a lot of comedy shows now, I think they don't. And there's like, and it's the same thing with Adventure Time too, that they were given the freedom to try stuff out. And that's why you get all these things. But it takes a lot. It takes a lot of factors to come together for a show to be given that, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I even think about like this. I think it's maybe downplayed now, but like, and I don't even think this is talking out of school. Like, when we started on Loud House, no one was paying attention to Loud House. Yeah. Not at all. And like, I think everyone not paying attention to us was like, why? like Loud House was able to like discover its actual voice and like fuck around and be like, okay, what, what, like, you know, you can introduce trashing episode and be like, okay, we're never doing that again. Yeah. Like, and it worked just because, you know, like they were paying attention to all this other stuff. And we were just kind of like left alone to kind of like hone everything we were doing. And it was kind of awesome. I feel like we all became stronger artists because of that. Yeah, you almost want to fly under the radar when you're first getting. Um, right. It's such a delicate balance. It's like when you it, you want a show to be a concept to be popular so that you get the support from the network, but then you kind of want them to look the other way so that you can like make the fucking show that you want to make and that ultimately will benefit the studio. It, like, cause you, you know you'll have the freedom to try shit and the audience will love it because they're gonna be like, wait, what is this? This is different. But if you're like, if the studio is constantly like checking in and have their hands on everything it's gonna get watered down and then people aren't gonna like it and but that's 
that's the eternal thing, you know. Like that's the eternal it's, struggle. It's, oh, it's it's also like one of those things where it's like, what are you chasing? Because it's like, I love Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks wasn't exactly getting the support at the time. Right. Yeah. Now it, it's or like even horror movies. Like I love John Carpenter. Like when the thing came out, everyone was like, "This is the worst thing that's ever been released." Right. And it's like. <laughs> Yeah, but you got to make a thing. Sure, you got to have deal with slings and arrows, but you know, do you want to make the thing and like suffer the consequences and be happy with it, or do you want like everyone yeah. to, like love yeah. you? I don't know. It's a weird. It's yeah, hard. It's yeah. I feel like honestly, a, a big game changer. Like I mean, like you know, it's like a double edged sword. But uh, as like the the internet is great because you can create content, put it out there, and then. It's like you can literally do anything you want, and then you see whether or not the audience will like follow you. It's really just uh, you. You can make it like whatever you want. Like obviously not a cartoon. Like cartoons yeah, that's, are like, like I was gonna say. That's like a, that's like a lot of uh, effort. But like if you want to make content, like if you want to make an IP, if you want to make like a story, like you can just like like literally writing something. It's it's a lot of brain work, but it's not like. Yeah, you never know. You know One Punch yeah. Man was a webcomic that some dude was just like shitting out for fun. Yeah, right? Like he was drawing it with, again, yeah. his, his left side of his thigh. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea. He is not a good... One is a terrible artist, but it's funny. Like it works and, and he knows it and he uses it. It, it works cool. great because he's come up with like a lot of like great, like I didn't get into One Punch Man, but like Mob Psycho. Like, Mob Psycho. I was like, wow. okay, I get it now. Like I was like, I don't know if we've ever brought it up on this show. I, I, have, I don't know if we Honestly, have. Honestly, but... yeah, that's so funny that we didn't really bring it up that much up until now. Because for me, this guy is like such a big inspiration to just kind of like follow my heart and just like, you know, yeah. because it's like he just had fun. He was just yeah. like, I'm just going to do this thing and not care. And I don't know. I, I don't know. that. I feel like that's that's the, the dream, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No, it's amazing. I don't know how he pulled it off. I mean, like, I think about like even some of my influences that are maybe even more obscure that are like more important like okay so like it's i just want to be able to do the things that i want to do i'm not like chasing fame like i kind of want to be like i want to be nirvana i want to be the melvins yeah like the melvins have made 35 records or something just doing whatever the hell they want to do but like, yeah fame comes with its own price so it's like better to fly under the radar a little bit enough yeah. Make enough money that you can sustain yourself, but then not be burdened with like audience that's, appeal. Well, that's the other big thing. It's like, I think there's there's an easy trap to fall in of just like, you know, I think it's I think it's more lame to just like appease everyone. Yep. For the security than just being like, okay, I'm gonna do my thing, and it's like I'd rather lose a little bit of security. But I also get it, man. Like we all have yeah rent to pay we all want to do our thing we all want success we like you know to be the first in our generations to be able to retire <laughs> honestly yeah. yeah i feel like this is something that i've been like struggling with like a lot is like you know like the self-censorship of like posting stuff on like the internet but also because you're like ah, i don't want to get canceled and then it's but then it's <laughs> like if you're not being real like you know if you're like yeah yourself too yeah. much then it's like like it's not gonna it's not genuine yeah because yeah. it's because it, lo it loses that like oh, genuine man. aspect of it so yeah it, like there's a little bit of like soul searching <laughs> yeah. well, i mean yeah. it's like it's, it's it i mean like i don't know about you guys but like at least for me when it's like when you have a sense of humor like johnny ryan 
Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to work on like a children's show if I draw this or I do this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always worried. Like, and we, we've seen it. And that's not to say that like cancel culture bad or blah, 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 blah all of- No, no, there's a, there's a reason. There's a point. But it's like, it's mostly like, I'm just like, also, I don't engage super often online. And so like, that's uh, my, I, I'm always worried that my sense of humor and like, who I am doesn't come across online. Right. I'm like, oh, taking out of context, this could like suck mad, mad ass. That's that's <laughs> like an interesting thing that that's that's where I think the cancel culture fails itself because I think that like even most recently, uh, we're recording this in what is it uh, mid January and we just had the Bean Dad debacle on Twitter <laughs> and like yeah the guy was like clearly being an asshole to his kid, but also we have no context for like who he actually is or how much of that story was even true. Like maybe he was just saying some shit to rile people up. And granted there was a lot of anti-Semitic shit in his, as people started digging, it was like, Oh no, wait, he's an asshole. But like that story on its own was weird. It was like taken really far out of context and people just like destroyed that guy. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't want to go on a big tangent about being dad. I, I have opinions that, or, but since it's not, like, really related to animation. This is when yeah. B-Lang comes out, like, alt-right. Yeah, ah, shit. <laughs> I gotta find a new co-host. <laughs> like, you know what? I would have been at the Capitol. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. This no. is content you were it. craving. This is the kind of- Damn it! This is where you tank us. This is. Oh, you've been waiting. <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah. I. I was. I'm. I, like my whole plan with this podcast is to make it really, really popular, so I can cancel everyone who ever came <laughs> on. Feel like just like <laughs> doing like a self nuclear bomb in her entire friend group. Yeah. Shit. By association. I'm taking all of you fuckers with me. All you white. Did you ever? I keep wanting to bring this up, and I and it keeps coming. In my brain, I keep thinking, this is a good time to bring this up. Have you ever read uh, Cerebus? Yeah. Okay, because I feel like... <laughs> Where are you going with this one? <laughs> I just want... I think that, like... I think it's a nice... It's a good way to... It's a good thing to bring up because I think it, it sort of fits within the aesthetic that you describe. It's like that early 90s uh, cartoony mixed with, like, fantasy and, and it's all... I think- Cerebus, I think like, Cerebus's idea and experiment is really good. It just sucks that Dave Sim is so hilariously misogynistic yeah. and shit. That's what I was going to say is it's like that guy existed before the internet. That guy, I mean, maybe like the beginning, but like all that shit. And for people that don't know, Cerebus is a comic that I don't remember the exact dates, but like it's a comic about a cartoon aardvark, yes. I think. Um, and, but he's like a barbarian and it is like an opus. Like the guy spent, yeah, his name's Dave Sim. He spent like 20, I think it was more. I think it was like 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like just churning out comics of, about the story, but it got bizarre. It's worth reading about. There's a trope, uh, that is like named after it, I think, because it, it went from being lighthearted and comedic to just this dude's like prattling about how like. Yeah, he was just like anti-feminist, and he was what, like screaming about women are like light stealers and men are the light. It was it was insane. He lost his mind. Well, he was like wow. the like I mean like he, he was he ultimately was almost like the John K of like yeah the eighties comic book. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. But he went so far, like, yeah, he kept, like, I think that what's, what's fascinating to me is that, like, he actually persisted for so long. The internet didn't really exist, so there was no call out. There was nothing. And so he had to push so far out, so much further out than would have ever been allowed now. Like, he actively canceled himself. Like, he... Yeah, he he basically fell on his own sword. Did he? Did you? Do you guys think he was kind of trying to do it on purpose, like unconsciously, or was it like something that he was just like, no? I'm I just I I think he's. I'd have to go back and like relook at everything and like his letters and essays, but like it, if I remember right, I I could be wrong, but he was giving off like strong like incel vibe. Oh uh, yeah! Okay. Oh okay. yeah! Okay. No, he's just an asshole. Like at the end of the day, like he was just an asshole. He's a great cartoonist. It's just like, but like, yeah, like a lot of like you know, it, it was like a lot of things where I could be like, I like Grand Simpy, but John K sucks. You know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can separate. Yeah, hopefully you can separate the two. But, but Cerebus was a lot guess... very similar in the sense of like, you know, it's very important because of like the the indie cred that he was doing and uh the, the sheer scope and like it is in a lot of ways really well written in certain parts and like uh well drawn like it, it is a thing it is important in the grand scheme of comics it influenced a lot yeah i feel like i started reading it and i thought it was kind of boring <laughs> i couldn't get probably back. well it is boring yeah. because it's it's hoity-toity shit it's a dude that was drawn yeah. to aardvark that got self-important of course there's a reason why no one talks about it like it's not you know, I had never heard of it until this year, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people have. The cost of entry is too high, too, man, because it's just like, you know, like it's bad enough when somebody tells you, like, hey, watch this show, but it doesn't get good till season three, where it's like, hey, buy yeah. four phone book sized graphic novels and it doesn't get good until like yeah. the fourth one. Oh my God, okay. It was just for fans. It, it was always just for hardcore fans, and like somehow he made a living off of that, but it was a different it's time. Like... <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, just go read Bone. <laughs> yeah, Bone is like, it's like, it's just better. Like, in every yeah. possible way, Bone <laughs> is a better Bone. version of what he did. <laughs> Bone is so good. It's like, Bone is it's great. Like so well written. It's like, it's like that kind of, and it's, it just kind of draws you in right off the bat. I, I've always wondered, I mean, I've never really looked into this artist's career and like what he did previously, but like the art is so good and the writing is so good. Yes, yeah. as well. I'm, like, uh, yeah. I wish, I wish yeah. his other stuff got more traction. I tried reading. I like Razzle. Ra Razzle. Yeah, I tried. I couldn't. No, I didn't. It didn't like click with me. No, but I, I think that I just like his work within that. Usually, I don't like fantasy, but I really like when he is within that realm because I think it. He really owns that style, and I, it's just like the right combination of ingredients. You know, like the cartooniness mixed with the fantasy. I'm like, really hot and cold on fantasy because it's like, if you look at my stuff, I love barbarians and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Conan and stuff like that, but then there's like a lot of fantasy stuff that just does not do it for me. Um, it's yeah. like a pass or, it's like a pass go or like pass fail kind of scenario. I feel for me, like fantasy, as soon as there's like any kind of politics involved, I'm like hard pass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, we already have politics in our world. Why do I yeah, need I fantasy don't... with dragons? Like, a politics never, with dragons is like... I never cared about Game of Thrones. That shit's boring. It's just like, once I have to learn proper nouns just to, like, understand what's happening, I'm like, fuck this. Like, I can't... I'm so glad that you also don't like Game of Thrones because I felt so lonely for the longest time. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, like it. it's, it's like my my dark secret is, like, I don't like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones I, I should it. not have liked, but, like, 
I got really into the books right before, like, or right as, like, the series was being announced. And then just, mm-hmm. like, fueled the mania because then I had, like, some other, you know, the hype was so real for the show as it was gearing up. And then just, yeah. like, just getting into the books, like, it was a, a, in hindsight, it was, like, total hipster behavior because I'm like, you guys don't even know. <laughs> uh, so super yeah. lame but like i got really into it yeah well i mean you're not the only one yeah i couldn't i couldn't do it i i i just get so bored with like and then they must cross the plains of galagareth to fight the 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 clan of and i'm like dude i fuck like tell a story i can't i don't know it can get worse than like other weird fiction stuff like i'm a big fan of lovecraft and like jesus christ those are can be some logs yeah. to get through where he's like it was so terrifying. I couldn't even tell you how terrifying it was. Yeah, but I feel like Lovecraft <laughs> is like the books. I mean, I only read the short stories, right? But like, there is like such campiness in the writing that it's kind of fun. It's like when you're reading it, y- y- I don't know. I feel like reading Lovecraft is so fun because it's just. Well, like, yeah, so... I mean, like, I like, I like all that. Like, you know, like, again, that weird fiction kind of stuff where it's like so audacious and crazy sometimes or like yeah, even yeah. like the fact that like it gave birth to like the splatter punk movement that you know like i guess clive barker would have been part of it where it's just like just nothing but like gore and the weirdest stuff you could write <laughs> we're like uh yeah. there's a dude named like jack ketchum that was like why did this dude have a career he just wrote upsetting things <laughs> and i've read a ton of it <laughs> i'm like why are you doing this a lot of the time, like fantasy for me at least is redeemed by how brutal it is, which is why I like Berserk. Like, I think that I, I'm a sucker for a fantasy setting that doesn't fuck around with itself. Like, I I think fantasy also works best when it flirts with horror. Yeah, That's what I mean. I, That's yeah. exactly what I mean. It's like well, how like like how much does it evoke like a feeling of dread in me, you know, and like actual. Yeah, where it's just like like magic and like the supernatural, like. I think, like, actually, I think it's undersung, but I think, uh, I think Peter Jackson did a really great job of that with the Lord of the Rings movies, and, like, you know, there's so many shots from even his horror movies that he put on those, those fantasy movies, or I was like, I think that sold it. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a horror film director, for sure. Yeah, so, like, I, I, I like that when, like, something magical or weird happens, where it's, like, that, that slight tinge of, like, almost that cosmic horror of like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's what I really like about fantasy or sci-fi. Like I used to hate sci-fi because a lot of sci-fi that I knew of was kind of like more political for some reason or like, or spend too much time on technology and I don't care about the technology. I just want to see it work. But like what I like about sci-fi and fantasy is like you can have a satire of society that is like more dramatic because like i don't know i feel like like you can have like death or just yeah like violence that makes more sense than it than it would if you did like a piece in like in the realistic world i guess yeah you know well it's like a lawless world yeah uh in theory so there's like i don't know i feel like for me there's like a little bit of that that is kind of like oh and and then yeah you can be surprised by the world and i think that's cool whereas like yeah yeah Jared. Yes. How <laughs> uh, we all deal with it. I'm sure you have too. Uh, how how do you deal with creative block when it hits you? You know, it's like it's not the most helpful answer, but like 
I think ultimately you just like have to just like work through it and like but I think there's like so like so say you're having creative block on like a board right Mm. I work around it by doing like like the quote-unquote dishes like Mm -hmm. by like fixing up small things here and there being like okay well yeah I need to draw this prop in the background or I need to readjust these camera like that's a really good point. Like I always try to work through their creative block by keeping productive, but like not worrying about the story or like art so much as like file hygiene. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think if you keep yourself busy, you'll find like that mojo when it comes back. I think that's really good advice. I like the I like calling it doing the dishes. I'm definitely going to be quoting that mm-hmm. from now on. That's like even when I was doing co- even if I'm doing comics or something and it's not not coming to me, what I'll do is a uh, I'll like rule out the panel borders. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the technical stuff. Yeah, like you just like I, sit there and like just do all the non-fun stuff that you don't have to think about. Yeah, it gets your brain moving. I I yeah. I've been doing some freelance and I was getting I was thrown into a pipeline, an existing pipeline that uh i wasn't ready for and i'm only on here for two weeks and so it was like really trial by fire and like i started just doing all the little shots that was just tracing because it's just revisions and so i was just like basically just tracing existing roughs but that like got me in that headspace and then i was slowly working my way up to like the hard shit where i had to actually like draw in the style and like figure it out but that always works. Yeah, like if you just kind of take care of the, like the minutia, like you also think yourself in the future later. So like, yes, like once yeah. once yeah. that like that spark comes back and like you're like in really drawing and posing and storytelling mode, you don't have to worry about all this like ephemeral stuff. Like elaborate more. It's just like you're you're just like happy that like you have this roadmap in front of you. Yeah, you get rid of this. The it's like cleaning up clutter, yeah. and then once you have all the little bullshit things done, you're like. Okay, now I can do the like the stuff that really requires. Like also, there's like a way that's like psychologically it like helps uh, temper down the anxiety because you're still being productive, so you're not like oh I'm wasting time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't feel like you've wasted a day just staring like at a blank panel or like a template or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was doing design on Loud House, maybe you can speak to this too, Jared. But like, I would get a you know our our deadlines were like two weeks. Like we would have two weeks for an episode, and I would get a fat stack of backgrounds and sometimes it was like 40, you know, which is a lot. It was a lot for, for an episode. And, uh, but man, I would just like focus in on the shittiest tiny, like fixes, like extend this out by, you know, uh, uh, 50 pixels or whatever. And I would get like 15 done in a day, just like bullshit little things. And then I'm like, well now it's, you know, 25 instead of 40 and it's like that's a little more digestible and it oh yeah i would do that with props all the time especially because like you know we do effects and stuff too and it's like sometimes yeah. an effects would just be an effect would be like a, a water drop you know mm-hmm. and so like i would just sit there and organize and i was like okay well let me hang hammer out all the stuff that i could do in like two seconds mm-hmm. just like burn through this stuff yeah. um and so like you know you do like a couple of lightning cards, a water drop, an explosion, whatever that like you can just be organic and like fuss around with. And then you have all this stuff off your plate and you don't feel nearly as daunted yeah. to like, you know, draw the car. Yeah. The files cut down. You can focus on more on the, on the big thing and it, it's not as pressing. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, uh, yeah. Like I, I color code, I color code my boards and 
storyboard pro as i'm doing them mm -hmm. so like, yeah same. uh so it's like really nice where like i'll even kind of trick my brain with stuff like um wiper transition panels oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i'll add that throughout yeah. my thumbnails to trick my mind into being like well this doesn't need any work it's already done you did a good job today <laughs> and so then when you look at the timeline and you have these things marked as done you're just like i'm making progress and you don't feel nearly as like psyched out to like you know handle the chase scene yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all a mind game you're just, yeah you're just messing with yourself to to feel like you weren't unproductive i do that a lot a lot of busy work. yeah it's a lot of lying to yourself <laughs> because the outcome the outcome is worse it's like if you let yourself feel like you haven't done anything then you get even you feel even worse and then the creative block or whatever the you know the lack of productivity just gets worse well so. it's also worse when like i think a lot of it also especially in this day and age comes from you know like you're avoiding work so you're logging on to twitter and you're being, oh, being productive yeah. and then like you're doubled down into like negative feelings yep yeah for sure but that's good advice i think that's really valid that's not something that we've heard said yet i don't think yeah i i, I agree uh what kind of uh stuff do you see for yourself in the future like what are you working towards that's always a weird question because like i'm always trying not to like maybe not verbalize them but like i also like kind of like i've been very happy with kind of exploring where the wind takes me a little bit mm -hmm. because like sometimes when you set some goals for yourself like okay there's a difference between setting a goal and then striving for something you think you want right uh and i've learned a lot in the last year that to be like interested with what i'm doing to make myself happy and where that leads me I can still actively try to do things because of course, like, you know, we work in animation, everyone wants to pitch a show. Everyone wants to do this. Everyone wants to do that. I've also been like really pleasantly surprised lately or just like kind of like throwing caution to the wind and being like, okay, well, let's just see what happens. Yeah. That's a real shitty non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That, though. I feel like uh, we kind of, I think in the episode with Ian, we we're kind of, talking about it a little bit but just like the idea that it's not so much about the um, the product like the end product it's more about uh like enjoying as you're doing it so right so well like my kind, my kind of thing has always been like you know like when you're you're growing up you see you know you're like you're looking at like check shows stuff like that and these like people that could do everything they're like unicorns and it's like i've always said i'm not trying to be a unicorn i'm just trying to be a pretty horse <laughs> i like that so like you know i'm trying to dip my toes and everything you know i've been lucky enough in the the last year and a half to like try out some directing and writing work and different things and like really oh, awesome yeah different positions and stuff like that and like kind of learning what i like what i don't like what i'm good at what i'm not good at and like i i've, I've tried to stop focusing on the rat race and more focused right. on like mm -hmm. where I'm at and like what strengths need to be like tempered and like, you know, like what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and where I need to learn from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a much healthier, I, I think it's a healthy way of, of looking at your own career and, and stuff. Yeah. Like I just want to be better at what I do. And like the, the other stuff is gravy, man. You know, like mm -hmm. you can try to do stuff and you can try to pitch these shows. You can try to come up with, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, like, well, you know, ultimately it's going to be a zero sum game if that's all you're focused on, because you're just going to end up in like, you guys both know this. It, it's a it's vicious. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I wish I had that mentality. I can't get there. 
So I, I'm jealous. Of I, that. I, I mean, that's more of me saying it in like a faux enlightened way right now. But you know as well as everyone else that like when the lights go out, you're sitting there being like, "Fuck." <laughs> Yeah, ah! the, the anxiety doesn't go away. It's just you get you suppress it. Well, like it's just coping with it better with age. It's just like or like yes. or like shutting yeah. things off or just doing stuff where I feel it coming on. Like you know, you sign on Twitter and you see somebody being like, "I only sold three shows during quarantine." You're just like, "Oh God!" Yeah. You're just like, I, "Like now I know." I was like, "I'm gonna go take a bath with bubbles." <laughs> yeah, just, just gonna calm the fuck. <laughs> yeah, up. you know, man, like. Get a bath bomb from Lush, man. Sit there and drink a beer in the bathtub and like recalibrate. Mm. Shower beers, yeah. <laughs> I do feel like uh, for me, what, like the thing that kind of helps me the most is just like I try. I've been really trying to like look at the artists that I like and the and like why I like them and like how there's like kind of like for example, like I always bring up like miyazaki how he's just so fast at drawing and i'm like i don't want to draw like him but i want to be able to draw in a way that i can right. just not think about it no, and but like, i would love to smoke cigarettes and wear an apron with miyazaki right yeah. <laughs> or just like mob like we were talking about about one and like i just like that he's just telling a story that he likes i don't know i'm just like trying to look at everyone like every artist that i think is super great and i'm just yeah well i took like a I'll survey just... of all the people that i'm into and then like i was like these are all the artists that i like and then you like you look out in the stratosphere and it's like oh none of them have social media yeah Maybe that's like the secret like our brains are being poisoned i they <laughs> definitely are i mean i wish that i did i was just talking to somebody about this i wish i like didn't feel like i needed it to maintain a career because yeah. like yeah. I genuinely, I've had opportunities to Twitter and I genuinely feel like if I just went off of, specifically Twitter, I think I could abandon Instagram and not give a shit, but yeah. if I left Twitter, I would not, I would lose out on opportunities that might really help me. You know, oh, so yeah, it's like, I've, I've had the same thing, especially, sucks. especially in the last year where like, you know, I'm really yeah. off and off and, like, I've had more freelance opportunities come up through social media that's really come into the clutch in like various instances yeah in the last year and like also just like really nice opportunities i didn't think that i would have that have just uh presented themselves yeah. because somebody you know slid in my dms was like hey do you want to take a couple of scenes yeah just connections and uh, you know we're all we're not even networking at studios anymore so it's just like that's all we got yeah. you know yeah that's like that's another it's like it's golden handcuffs man like it sucks but like I know. there you are yeah you just use it as as much as you need to. Really, like uh, you gotta like go in, you know, scream. I'm looking for work, and then you like shut the door and run away. Yeah, this like yeah, I, I'll post something where I'm like, let us know we coming out soon. And then like close the door and throw it <laughs> yeah. in, like, the trash can. Before, before yeah, before the like tentacles are like <laughs> and start like trying to grab you. But anyway, yeah, we had a couple questions. Oh shoot. L okay, so I'm gonna do the first one. So from at Flippy Super, question. How can comics teach you to learn storyboarding skills? Comics and like storyboarding are like kissing cousins. Like it's weird. Like you can like learn a lot of stuff of like shot organization and like how to do like yeah. a joke payoff because like we're all basically doing peanuts, right? Like peanuts is four panels where it's like beat, beat, joke. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you like you can learn rhythm, but the only thing that kind of sucks about uh, comics is that like. It can also teach you like a lot of bad habits for board. Mm -hmm. 
like not actively knowing how to motivate your camera cuts mm. and stuff like that because like that that gutter is very powerful yeah yep. you gotta learn how that gutter works and panels but i think the best thing about comics is like uh being able to learn how to tell a joke or a story or a moment um and sequential ideas right am i am i that sounds big no no i think you're you're on I the think, money i think yeah i think that sounds great i feel like uh honestly i might have mentioned it on a previous episode but i think the reason why i was able to get into boards was because i read so many comics yeah i feel like obviously probably like french and belgian comics or american comics or a little bit have a little bit more like elliptical storytelling going on but if you read like manga like manga is very similar to well i would say like tintin tintin's just boards yeah that's true yeah yeah it really is Mm -hmm. it really is like i mean like yeah if you wanted to look at like something that's like tintin might to me be like be you're also right like manga and stuff like that but like there's something about like tintin that's like so flat and like Mm -hmm. yeah Hergé, I could never pronounce it right. Yeah, uh, Hergé. Is that how you do? It? Is that how you say? Hergé. Mm-hmm. She's French. I trust her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, I yeah, I grew up in like nowhere, Missouri. Public school failed me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like there's something about looking at Tintin where you know, like, he doesn't break, he doesn't do like crazy uh, panel layouts or anything like that. Like, it can be like a very like brutalist eight panel grid over multiple pages and it's like just watching how he motivates and like keeps like a sense of like scenery yeah that probably didn't answer this poor person's question i'm sorry no i think you did great i think that like if if you create constraints for yourself within comics you will inevitably learn how to board well because like that's all it yeah and it's like you can do comics with you know abandon and just have fun and fuck with the layouts and things but like the closer you get if you want to if you want to use comics as a springboard to learning boards i think that like having restrictions for yourself is like the best way to do it well my argument was always so, yeah. like if i'm doing comics i always fall back on the six panel grid because yeah, it's yeah. good enough for jack kirby then god damn it it's good enough for me <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look at like, like, like read. I mean, it's cliche, but like read Watchmen too. You know, it's like Watchmen is like a gri- the whole time. Yeah. Well, yeah. That Dave Gibbons that eight panel grid. Yeah. Because doing an eight panel grid, or no, it's nine panel grid. That nine panel grid. It's tough. Like three by three. Yeah. Like ooh. Like and yeah. especially vertical. Yeah. That teaches you really quick how to isolate a scene and what's important. Yeah. Also, drawing comic books by hand also teach you about like a lot of economy of space. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna just talk about like Dragon Ball really fast, only because uh, Toriyama was like he watched a lot of movies as he was like drawing, and when you look at the way he uh, does the fight scenes, it's like it's it's not animated, but it's got all the key poses in oh, there. Man. So yeah, that's, it's so like, clear. Yeah, I like in that in that sense, not so much in terms of like layout or whatever, but I feel like in the sense of like how he cut the action, it's it's very similar to boards. Well, Toriyama is also hard because like I don't think I've ever seen another cartoonist be able to draw like almost like a settle pose in like a panel the way he does. Right. That's like it, it's so insane because you can have something like Vegeta like sighing, and then the next panel is silent, but like you feel the motion and you're just like, how did you do this? Yeah. 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 
it's it's amazing yeah i reread it like semi-annual like every couple of years just to like refresh like right that's how you do it got it and even crazier with like the dr slump stuff is like how he like breaks model and when he uses oh, i love that mm-hmm. like he can go from like a super detailed like machinery thing to like this like proto chibi thing it's so crazy like the dude like the dude's economy of storytelling is wild yeah yeah, he's he's. We bring him up in every episode. <laughs> this is. Yeah. I think I, well, I think we're all of the age where like we all probably got like into Dragon Ball at like the same time. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta get some Zoomers on here. We gotta but, get um, some. Then they're gonna talk about shit like Naruto or something. No, I don't. But even know. like Tezuka, if you look at Tezuka, who's like, like he's also yeah. like kind of like in that school of of drawing comics that are of economy. Yeah. I like Tezuka. I just wish I liked his stories more. Yeah, that's yeah, how I feel. Well, he was just like, yeah, he was just drawing so much. Like, he didn't have time to really figure out this. But he has a really, he's got like a couple of really, really good ones. The one about uh, the little girl, ah, uh, God, in like a couple of volumes. It's like, it's really dark. It's like a, it's the story of a family and how this little girl was. There's um, a lot of dark shit. I read uh, Dororo and uh, like, man, he, he that just kind of ends. Like, I, But it's like a lot of Japanese folklore, I think, where it doesn't really have an ending. That's just a more... Well, that's also like a... like That's my favorite of his, aside from like Astro Boy. Yeah. And like, just because it has like so many insane ideas that never go anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just kind of... It's <laughs> just yeah. throwing shit at the wall. Like, it feels like an ad- adaptation of a video game that never happened. Where I'm like... <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, like, by regaining all of his limbs and stuff He's like gotta that. collect his limbs. Yeah, it's super rad. Yeah. But like, ultimately, like, and also the way they've released that, like, the one I have is like a thousand pages, and it's like, yeah, it's that thick boy. Yeah, and it's like shit to read. It sucks. Like, you're sitting there. It's the most cumbersome way to read the comic ever. Right. It's like, what if Plock was a was a manga? There's like obscure Super Nintendo game. He's looks like a weird dude too, where it's like I, I really love like some of his early stuff where like he was just doing like adaptations of like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Which is just like wild because it's like it's the most half assed version of telling that story, but it's like great cartooning. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have another question from at Starry NWT. How did you get into prop design and do you have any tips for anyone who wants to do it as a job? We kind of answered the first one. Yeah, I think we, yeah, just uh, email people that wrongly <laughs> don't don't have any sense of professionalism. And uh, what was, what was the second part of the question? Do you have any tips for anyone? Yeah, do you have any tips? Do, you have, do I have any tips? Like, no. Like, just... <laughs> no, that's not fair. That's me. The Daniel Close approach. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah, no. Like, if if I had any tips, it's just like... Um, uh, it's actually do comics. Because, like, comics teach you so much. Like, because you're going to do boards, character design, BG, prop, everything yourself. Just start fucking around and doing comics because you're gonna like you're gonna learn what you need to like focus on really early like you can't fake it yeah like if you can't draw a background in your comics your comics go suck if you can't draw a character sitting in a chair you need to learn how to draw a chair you know like i think comics are like good boot camps for design yeah i think it's a good boot camp for for everything it's like you have to learn layout you have to learn writing you know it's like you learn everything and like again the cost of entry is so low like all you need yeah. is like you know gimp and like a shitty tablet or just a pencil and paper 
mm-hmm. you know, like just jump in there and start making stuff. And like, also knowing that like your first thousand pages of comics are just going to like suck so much ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get all your drawings out now, like, and do them comics and do them small. When I was like in eighth grade, I just wanted to do comics and I started and I was drawing them on computer sheets of paper with a pencil and then I would scan them in. Eventually, I wanted to color them, and I was just using like fucking MS Paint. Like yeah. that's that's just like all we had. Yeah, like it's so important you get that stuff out of your system because, like, again, like you have to make so many bad drawings. Like you gotta get all the bad drawings out. You know, it's like getting the poison out. Yes. Like you gotta like you're never gonna like you gotta play your scales before you go to Carnegie Hall, man. So definitely uh comics are like a great way because it's a sequential narrative structure you're doing everything yourself just draw a whole bunch of bad comics you don't have to show anybody you don't have to post them on instagram just like just fart them out man just like burn them out and before you know it like after you've done like a hundred comic book pages you're gonna be surprised about how much you've grown definitely i always tell people that if you want to get a job in animation or if you want to just make yourself more well-known like do a comic consistently updating for like a year two if you can you know like and you will become such a better artist and you'll get a following like most likely and like it's just such good practice it's the best way to like hold yourself to a deadline and thing it's it's just a really productive use of time yeah like i used to set like uh i think like i think like a lot of like online artists do i i never really posted online but like i did like two pages a week Mm-hmm. um didn't really post that, anything that's a great schedule you know like just farting it out and then like you look at page one with then when you get to page 120 you're just like i'm not the same artist this rules yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you can see it in real time you have something that can clock your progress too something can yeah yeah it'll feel good at the end of that journey and then you can do it again or you can you know figure out what you want to do after that or yeah like at worst at worst, you learn you didn't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't want to do this no. anymore. That's that's valuable. And like, and if that's the case, my hats are off to you. I wish I was so smart. <laughs> do you, is there anything you wanted to plug before we wrap it up here? No, I don't think so, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I I'm pretty allergic to social media and online stuff. But like, uh, actually, no, yeah, like. The one thing I've, I've been helping out on uh, Hunter Hancock's Monster Lab. Go watch Monster Lab. Independently oh, yeah. produced. Cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. And it's been really fun working on that. I don't know, man. Whenever Cuphead comes out, watch that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't definitely. think they need my help promoting that. I think it's definitely, I think it's going to be A-OK. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think people are more, <laughs> more than ready to like watch sure. that. Well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Jared for being our guest and sharing his story. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter at CreativeBlock. That's creative without the vowels. Where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister, Clemens, for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. And I've been your host, Gene. And that was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Ah, shit.